Welcome to the HR for Small Business podcast, where we discuss HR best practices, hot topics, strategy, and employment law changes that affect small business. I'm your host, Brandon Laws of Zenium HR. Our website is www.zeniumhr.com, where you can follow us, read articles, listen to our recent podcasts, or contact us. Thanks for listening and enjoy the topic in this episode. I'd like to welcome Kim Smith to the podcast today. She is a human resource business partner at Zenium with over 13 years of HR experience. And we're lucky to have her with us today. Thank you, Kim. It's nice to be here. Thanks, Brandon. You're welcome. Uh, Today we're going to discuss something you're pretty excited about, uh, and that is employee satisfaction surveys. So let's kind of dive right in. I want to get your take on when you are considering developing a survey for a company, say to your company, a small business, what, what is typically the common purpose behind doing a survey? It's really to kind of get a sense of the pulse. What's, what are employees' feelings about the workplace? And what might we need to focus on to make things better, to engage employees more, um, or to lead to better satisfaction and therefore retention at the company? So there definitely is some sort of purpose, whether it's, is it usually in terms of metrics or are they going in it trying to hypothesize something within the company? I mean, there's a reason why we do these surveys, I'd imagine. Well, we do want to find out what is, what are the high points? What do people like about the company? It might be some focus around compensation or benefits as well. Is Maybe we want to offer a flexible workplace and would employees be receptive to telecommuting or something like that. So there can be some real targeted aspects to to the survey as well if we want to maybe increase our benefits or maybe there's some training and development we might want to do so we could look at some questions around those topics as well and then overall satisfaction with the company. So it definitely sounds like there's a bunch of different types of surveys that you can do. In terms of the the duration between surveys that you're doing, do you see employers do every six months, every year, and are they doing varying types of surveys? I mean, give us your perspective on that. Well, I think um, we see everything. Every six months w- would be great, but they are pretty time intensive as well. <laughs> so um, companies may, especially in our current economic environment, may not have time to do them every six months. But as a general rule, I'd say annually is a great time frame. If there's a point in the company's calendar year or fiscal year that's slower, that's a really good time to consider doing a survey when we're not in the middle of a holiday rush or benefits enrollments or things like that. Um, so the employees can really focus on on the questions and helping the company get better. I'd like to, in a little bit, talk about some of those questions and we can maybe talk about how you would structure it as a, an HR person or an owner of a small company. But I'm actually, let's go at the very basic level. level. What are some of the tools that 
you can use to develop a survey? I mean, are we handwriting these things? Are we developing them electronically? I mean, what's your experience? Well, typically nowadays they are electronic, mostly just because it is so much simpler to roll up the data, Mm -hmm. whether you have five employees or 200. And SurveyMonkey is probably something you're familiar Mm -hmm. with, and, and most people are. So that is a really good tool that I've used before because you can really get the aggregate common themes pretty quickly. So it's really about the data analysis at the very back end is why that tool is good. What about collecting the data? In terms of collecting the data with a tool like that, is it, do you find it easier to collect the data or versus like doing it on a paper? Much easier to collect if it's electronic. Um, I've done some by paper and if we think about it, even a suggestion box is kind of a a very (laughs) focused or um, small paper survey. But the, the biggest issue with paper surveys is just the sheer amount of time it takes to really roll up all that data and put it into common themes for, for the management team to look at. So when, you, when you've defined what kind of survey you're going to do, what tool you're going to use, where, how do you get started from there? I mean, developing the questions, is it a, a bunch of people come up with questions, or how do, you, how do you typically see something like that? Well, I think the first thing, even before we get to questions, or we might have a good sense of kind of the basic questions we want to ask, but we want to make sure that the management team, the leadership team, really buys into this process. I think the, the biggest issue is asking questions that the management team will really want to fix. And if there's no desire to change things, then why bother asking? So it's really important to have management's buy-in and their commitment that they will take some positive steps towards improving anything that might come out that's less than desirable. So that's really the first place to start, is getting management buy-in to the process. And then it is a matter of planning. When, when are we going to do this? What tools? Like the Survey Monkey, and then drilling into some of the details around the questions. And it's really important to ask questions that are kind of focused on one thing. To ask about pay and benefits, for example, and if they gave us a one out of five, we wouldn't know if it was the pay they were dissatisfied about or the benefits. So it's really important to construct a a question that's focused on one particular topic as well. I imagine the way you ask certain questions is all about how you're going to get the data on the back end. So uh, the, the one thing I worry about with survey and data collection is um, confirming biases. So if, if, you're, if you want an outcome and you're just, you want to confirm that, maybe you structure the questions in a certain way that would um, gear towards getting the answers that you really want as a management team. So how important do you think it is to have maybe not necessarily a third party, but somebody like an HR person within a company to help facilitate and uh, craft the questions in a way that um, it's not written like it's coming from management. Exactly. It's really helpful to have an HR or a third party of, of some sort that looks at the questions. If every question is written positively, then it looks like, oh, we're trying to lean and skew the data to, to our um, benefit. So it's really important to have a neutral third party to not only write the questions, but to analyze them yeah. as well at the end. Do you think a lot of the questions as you're developing them, I imagine there's some, sometimes you want some open-ended kind of comments and feedback, but you also want something that you can analyze in terms of rating scales and, and those sort of questions where you can actually have some sort of metrics on the back end. But where's that balance? 
do you don't want a whole survey full of just comment boxes do you? I, that's right. harder to collect right. it's really hard to analyze yes so you'll because you'll get some pretty long-winded employees <laughs> so it's really great to have we typically see a um, five-point scale so maybe one being the lowest to five being the highest um, positive score that you can give on that particular question and to have mostly those kind of five-point scales um, with your questions again just for ease of rolling up the data and looking at it quickly but then balancing it with a few either open-ended what else have we missed kind of questions or some essay questions to delve into areas where there might be some real specific personal or generational issues that we'll want to, you'll want to dive into the data later and, and really look at. So sometimes some essays or some tell us more kind of questions are important as well. And it's just a balance of um, how much time you have really to roll up the data and how many resources you have to devote to analyzing the data in the end. That's kind of how I uh, decide how many rating scale questions to ask versus open-ended questions. Yeah, in terms of amount of questions what, what is what's the lowest and the highest amount you've seen I imagine it varies all over the place but what, what it is... varies all, all over the place I've seen as few as two or three oh, wow. um, you know would you recommend X company to your friends and just one question like that or I think the max that I would recommend is around 50 to 75 questions you don't want wow, to take more than helpful. 20 or 30 minutes to fill out the survey mm -hmm. so um, because people have to work too. <laughs> yeah. so. It is funny you mentioned the two or three questions because I've seen some recent surveys to where you're, you're just capturing two or three data points and through that, even though it's very broad, you're able to get some quick snapshot in terms of satisfaction between employees or it could be customer satisfaction, whatever it may be. But I've also seen the 50 or 60 question ones and those actually concern me a little bit because as somebody who's doing analysis in the back end there's sort of that paralysis by analysis thing so with 60 data points I mean how could you honestly expect to do to have some sort of action items on the back end to fix something or just really mine the data it's challenging a lot of those questions might be the same question asked a couple different ways to kind of mm -hmm. address that bias a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I would say really 75, I mean, I've seen that in large companies. For a small to medium-sized company, 25, 30, I think would be you know, more the norm there. So, but it, it is a bit challenging when it gets up into the 75. And What about anonymity? Do you find that employers want to know who's filling out the survey and in on the other side of it, are employees even comfortable putting their name down? Very rarely. <laughs> yes. So how do you handle honest. how do you handle something like that? Just keep it anonymous, really. I think that to me is the the best practice, because really at the end of the day, that shouldn't be management's motivation is to find out who said what, and our intent should be sort of a good faith that we are management. We're here to make things better. And it doesn't, we want your open feedback. That feedback is truly a gift. And that's going to make us as a management team and an organization better. So we're not going to worry so much about where it came from and focus on the fixes and, and making things better. I don't know if this is a direct comparison, but my the analogy for this would be, be behind being anonymous would be... Um, 
people can hide behind a persona. You see it on the internet all the time where people get on and they can hide behind some persona they've created um, and they're overly negative or overly, um, I guess they'd make more rude comments than they normally would as if it was just them. So with a survey like this, would you expect that there'd be some more negative comments than there normally would be? And is that even a good thing? Well, you probably will find some more negative because it, it's an easy way because it is anonymous. It's an easy way to kind of um, blow that steam that sometimes employees have. But what we want to really, as we're analyzing the data, we really want to look for those strong common themes. You'll have those outliers that are super, super happy or really unhappy, and we kind of look for more the common themes. And gosh, in the surveys I've done, it's it usually is pretty easy to get to the to those common themes that the majority of people are, are really giving you feedback on. And it seems that's why you actually take the time to do the analysis. And even though a tool, I'm sure like SurveyMonkey or Zoomerang or any of those out there, they actually do some good analysis and put them into categories, but I think you really have to look through and, and filter out the allies, as, as you kind of said earlier. Exactly, yeah. yeah. You're going to do a good analysis. And what about encouraging the participation. So we said being anonymous is one thing, but I've also seen employers offer incentives around completing the surveys because they want all the feedback. But how do you how do you know who's taking the survey if it's anonymous in the first place? Well, you can look for 100% participation and, you know, is that even likely? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's probably not likely, although, you know, I've seen some really good 90-95% um often wow. in, in um, organizations that had a lot to say and mm-hmm. really saw this as an opportunity. Um, and in that case, we just said 100% participation will land everyone a pizza party. And so pizza was brought in at lunch and everybody won and um, it was really positively received. And again, that was tied into a really strong positive message from management, very authentic message that we are doing this to improve and really we value your feedback. And so then it seemed like that made the participation super easy. Hmm. And pizza's always nice when yeah, you don't absolutely. have to pack your absolutely. lunch. Absolutely, <laughs> it seems like actually an easy way to get people on tune because if, they're, <laughs> if there's not 100% participation, then everybody loses, right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. So let's go back to the analysis part of it. Who should be collecting the data? So if it's an in-house person, uh, maybe it's an HR person or somebody on the executive team, who's doing the analysis? And then if there are other people that need to have some sort of visibility to the data, how, do, how should that be re- represented? And you know, what have you seen in the past? What I've seen that's worked well is someone in human resources or someone um, who is really viewed and respected well in the company that employees trust. Um, The worst thing to do would be to find the manager that (laughs) is the one that's always out to find the person who's, you know, complaining and and Mm chop them off at the knees. So find someone who is well-respected, who role models confidentiality and respect for feedback. And they should be the one digging through all the details, rolling up those common themes, um, you know, showing the percentage of employees that are satisfied or or not so. And then I recommend really um, that that be shared with a number of different populations. First of all, the executive team is going to be really interested 
in seeing that information, and they should probably be the first people who see it. Um, they are going to want to dig into the details, likely, and um, ask the the data analyzer, you know, what do we do next? So that is a great conversation to have and to be a part of. Um, and after there's a little bit of analysis on that data, then it should go out to other managers in the organization below the leadership team and ultimately to employees as well. If we've asked for their feedback, we owe them the really the opportunity to, sh to give them the results and to speak to what we're going to do. Do you think each level of person, so if you have an executive team, a management team, an employee group, do they see the same sets of data or is it broadened a little bit for the employees to where you're not seeing specific comments but maybe grouped by themes and, and high-level charts and things like that. Exactly. It, it, again, it's going to depend a little bit on the culture of, of the organization. Some are pretty open and honest, but I think to avoid, especially at an employee meeting, I would avoid individual comments because that would just kind of erode the trust and the promise that things would be confidential. So that would be more common themes at a high level and probably more focus on what management and leadership is going to do to improve things, whereas executive team and management team is going to want to dig into the details a little bit more to make sure that they are putting in place the right fix. So we've built the survey, we've got it out to the employees, we've done the analysis. Now what about action? What do you do as a management group? So you have this feedback, what do you do with it? There's the key. <laughs> yeah, we all knew. <laughs> yeah, putting it into action. What I've seen that has worked really well, and I have actually been given awards for, for doing this, wow. is um, to put together an action plan with the management and the leadership involved. Um, typically, as an HR person, I've put that together. I've rolled up the data, kind of suggested what I think the action steps need to be gotten management and executive teams buy off on that, then taken that out to the employees. So it's basically a project plan of these are the steps we're going to put in place by X time. And um, then I've even held focus groups. And so those got rolled out into smaller departments. So, you know, the payroll team might have had issues that the benefits team didn't. So we would have focus groups with specific um, employee groups or departments to really hone down into their issues and to ask, is this the fix you're looking for? Do you think this will help? And to get their really their stamp of approval. Imagine with the focus groups and all those sort of things, that's if there's a lot of negative feedback and there, there's things to be fixed. But what about an organization that has glowing and positive feedback? You obviously want to stay ahead of the curve and always make sure that you're improving the culture, the employees are always happy, so you're always got to stay ahead. But with, with survey feedback that's overly positive, what, what do you even do in that case? Well, you might want to do focus groups around that too. I mean, it, again, it depends a little bit on what you think the pulse is maybe throw a party if everyone really is that happy. I, I haven't been in that position okay. to see too many of those, honestly. I'd love to be. Um, but, I mean, that would lead me to ask, is this really valid data, and are we really doing that great of a job? And if so, we should celebrate, and maybe there's something else somewhere, other places in the organization we should be working on and, and know that we have a really satisfied bunch. Earlier when we, we first started talking about the surveys, there's 
different types of surveys that you can do. Some of them are satisfaction-based. Uh, some are engagement. Some are compensation, all those sort of things. What, um, what do you think the difference is between like a satisfaction survey and an engagement survey, if there is a difference? Well, depending on what book you read, there are some differences. And But I kind of see that it's kind of an old word. Satisfaction is kind of an, a word that was around maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago. And now the word we're seeing more is engagement, although I have seen in some books reference to satisfaction being more tied to job content or an employee's feelings and attitudes, and engagement tied more to their engagement with the organization. How do they like their manager? Do they like the job that they do? But personally, my feeling is they're kind of, it's a fine line. And rather than mince words, I, I would say engagement's kind of the word of the day. And ultimately, we're getting at the same thing. How happy are folks with their current job, with the organization they're a part of, and um, what might we work on to improve their desire to stay with our company? So for resources for listeners out there, what, what, what are some ways they can either get started on a survey or uh, learn more about how to do surveys and how to set them up? Because I imagine there's, I mean, it's sort of technical. Got to know what you're doing, how to set it up, and then you gotta answer, you got to ask the right questions. So what are some resources for people out there? Well, I think the web, it, the Internet, is an amazing resource and a good way to get some kind of overview of what's involved in a survey, and then I think your local university, especially in the Portland area, we have a lot of great metro area of Vancouver, a lot of great colleges. Often they'll have um, statistics majors or human resources majors, math majors, and they're looking for projects that build their resume. So that's sometimes a really great and I free resource. I never even thought about resource. that. That's interesting, yeah. <laughs> yep, psych majors, um, counselors, they are great at asking questions. So that's a great resource. And then, of course, there's lots of human resources companies and, and consultants out there that can help as well. Our guest today has been Kim Smith. Thank you for being part of the program today. I appreciate it. Nice to be here. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for joining us for today's episode on employee satisfaction and engagement surveys. I'd like to invite everybody to go to the blog at www.zeniumhr.com forward slash blog, and let's continue the discussion there. Uh, let us know what tools have worked for you as far as employee satisfaction surveys, and also let us know some of the failures and successes you've had, and perhaps we can just continue on with the discussion and we can all kind of learn from each other. So look forward to our next episode and thanks for listening. This podcast is produced by Zenium Resources, Inc., all rights reserved. For information on guests or for interview requests, please visit www.zeniumhr.com or email info at zeniumhr.com. Everything on this show should be considered educational and informational only, and not personal advice. Please consult with the appropriate tax, legal, or business professional for individualized advice.